Well, uh, at the Bible school that I was before, there was a, a, a missionary, a lady. She was, uh, um, she was a missionary into Libya, and um, she was in prison for a faith. She got caught, and then she was in six months for prison. And um, one of the things that she, she had time with me and my wife, and with me and Naku, and one of the things that she struggled with is condemnation in thinking whether she's acted well enough in prison for Jesus. And you're thinking... I think you're one of Jesus' top children, all right? Uh, I don't think that's a be <laughs> the worry here. But, I mean, it was like a heavy thing for her. And anyway, I, I thought, like, well, I'll give her a class to, to teach. And so she starts off the class, and she opens up, and she says to us, uh, what do you guys think it means to be blessed? Now, look, when a, when a missionary that was in Libya and six months in prison asks you, what do you think it's to be blessed? You can't say a big house or a... A nice guy. I mean, you know that's the wrong answer. But then what's the right answer here? And she was, uh, I was thinking she's going to have some sort of snaggy line somewhere. But she just simply took the words of Jesus. And it shook me as she went through what Jesus would say, what it means to be blessed. So I quickly want us to look at that. And then... Uh, I'll make a few points. So in Matthew 5, verse 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so let me just say, poor in spirit means, um, blessed, is, blessed is you that you are weak, that you are of need. Blessed are you that you understand, I can't do this. All right? That would be the first place of blessedness. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why do we need to mourn? What place are a person that needs to mourn? It's obviously something that didn't necessarily happen so nice. But blessed are you when you are mourning, for you will be comforted. The next, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If I'm in a position of hunger, I'm not necessarily content. Of course I'm not. In fact, there's something that bothers me. There's a frustration that I have around me because I do not see a certain amount of righteousness. And there's a hunger and a cry for me to see hunger. I'm not a content person. I'm a hungry person. I'm a thirsty person. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. When do I need to show mercy? I, you know, if a guy buys me a new car, I don't have to show mercy to the guy. When do I need to act merciful to somebody? When somebody acted or treated me in a way that I didn't like. In a way that I thought was unfair. And Jesus says, blessed are you. Or blessed are the merciful. Meaning those that were treated badly and showed mercy. Anybody wants to be blessed? <laughs> That's okay. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. When do we make peace? <laughs> when there's war, <laughs> when there's conflict. It's difficult to make peace, eh? 
Sometimes I wonder when there's a situation of conflict, should I confront now or should I be diplomatic? Anybody have that struggle now? <laughs> Is it like, when I need to be a peacemaker, it's definitely not a comfortable situation. And yet Jesus says, blessed are those of peacemakers. It's getting better, Skitter. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you that you walk righteously and because you walk righteously, people are persecuting you. Now sitting mic on, let us come, let us come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Verse 12. Oh, sorry, verse 11. Did we skip 11, huh? Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Be blessed <laughs> on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. In all of, this, uh, all of those blessings, except for one, all of them might have mean or should have meant that you were in a difficult situation. And in all of those positions, Jesus comes and says, blessed are you. Obviously, depending on your response, but in this situation, you are blessed. I mean, when she said it, I mean, because even though I know there's certain things that I just know it's when a lady like that asks you, that will be a wrong answer to respond in a certain way. I didn't quite see the blessedness what Jesus was referred to. I didn't see it, right? So it's interesting. I mean, last week, for those of you that were not here, I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I'll just mention, you know, I said, <coughs> you know, when we turn to the Lord, the, 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 the difficulty from Jesus is when we turn to him, and even when we spoke about the yokes today, and even when, when, when Stuart was saying, like, Jesus, you know, we, we want to be fully yours. The problem with Jesus is he's just never satisfied with being an add-on. So he doesn't just, Jesus, come, come into my life while I'm holding on to my life. He's just saying, if you're going to turn to him, leave completely and go to, to me. And, and we spoke about the story of the rich young ruler that Jesus actually asked to just let go of everything. It wasn't, so the, the situation wasn't about money. That wasn't the issue. It was just the fruit. It was just to, to show something that was going into his heart. But Jesus wanted him to let go of everything to turn to him. I spoke to a couple of guys this week, and I said to them, yeah, it, it sometimes feels for me so difficult in speaking to people that I can't present the ad on Jesus. It would be just so much easier. And I just know when I see actually so many rich young rulers that I know I can get them. I know we can get them full in our churches if we preach an ad on Jesus. But if we preach an all or nothing Jesus, we will have high, high percentages of rich young rulers that will empty out. And you sit with very few, really in heart, following Jesus. And I was like, can't we just have kind of levels of Christianity? Can't we have like just... A A grade and a B grade and a C grade. We won't call it like this and we'll just make it more comfortable just so that where will they go? All those type of things. But it just feels like there is just not space for that. 
Anybody wants to follow me? Anybody wants to be my disciple? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. There's just no way out if you want to do this. Now, obviously, we can do all kinds of other ways, and we can, we can sit in church and be a churchgoer. I mean, that's, that's fine, but in eternity, it will mean nothing. So anyway, I, I, this, this week, we at prayer meeting, prayer meeting was different, guys, and I can tell you Oli was there. Oli and Laura was there, and prayer meeting was different. I don't know if it was anything to do with them, but prayer meeting, there was so much life. You know, we had a, we had a very good prayer meeting. And uh, it's going to be this Wednesday again. <laughs> for those of you that also want to have an incredible time with Jesus. But um, in prayer meeting, um, we, uh, we, we, we were praying, and, and we were speaking about um, some people saying we need to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit and whatever that means for us. And, uh, and some would say just the unsurety that they find in their lives. And as people were saying that, I felt like almost this could be a beatitude. That could have been something that Jesus could have write in the Sermon of the Mount. And as I prayed, I, s I prayed this prayer. I said, Jesus, thank you that blessed are you do not know. And as I said that, blessed are you that do not know. I thought to myself, wow, that's quite a, that's quite a cool line. I'm, I'm, I actually want to coin that, and I think I'm going to make it a sermon, uh, a, a sermon line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see. And so, I, I, I afterwards, when I thought that, I actually felt like that the Lord said, like, I should preach about it. But I'm like, oh, I, I kind of labored this point so much already, and I, I don't feel like preaching about this. And I thought, like, I've kind of preached quite a lot. I wanted somebody else to preach, and I asked a few guys to preach, and it just didn't work out. And the more I, I'm like, I feel like this is actually something that Jesus wants us to speak about. Blessed are you if you don't know. What do I mean by that? So blessed are you <laughs> if you do not know where your provision is going to come from. Blessed are you if you do not know how you're going to get to the other side. I don't know what the thing is that God has called you. I don't know what the project is, but I tell you, blessed are you if you do not know. Blessed are you. I think that's, just let me say this. I think that's one of the things for the rich young ruler. It's not the fact that he don't have money. But it's suddenly, I don't know where, where's my security? Blessed are you if you don't have security. <laughs> Other than the Lord. Blessed are you. If you don't know how your future is going to look like, blessed are you if the unknown future remains unknown. It's interesting. I mean, this is the very first thing that Jesus would speak of those that are Christians. He says, those that are born of the Spirit is like the wind. You do not know where they're coming from. And you do not know where they're going. 
is this mark about them? They're unpredictable. If your life is predictable, woe unto you. <laughs> and I'm not saying there are seasons in our lives that we are pretty sure how the glory lines look and how it should look like. But you know, there's something in us that wants to grab on security that I know. And there's something when Jesus comes and brings us in places where we do not know. And where we are fighting, please show me. Blessed are you if you do not know the answer. There's a time that I thought I knew. I don't know anymore. When I get to certain people, that's what I do. It doesn't work anymore. When I'm in certain situations, that's how I approach it. I don't know anymore. I thought I knew. I don't know anymore. As I speak about the peacemakers, I, I, should I confront or should I be diplomatic? I don't know. Last time it worked to be diplomatic. It doesn't work this time. Now I need to confront. Probably the next time, I don't know. I don't know. But I know if I'm in this place of I don't know, it's probably the best place that I can be in. I think that's what Jesus wanted to do with Paul in the thorn of the flesh. And I, I'm translating it. I did not know. A thorn was given to me and I did not know. <laughs> it's a heavy translation here. But, but, but I can see some of the Pharisees is looking at me. Poetic freedom. I am unsure. I have no surety. <laughs> and he says, Jesus, please, please remove this. Please remove that which, 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 which caused me insecurity, which keys, uh, caused me not to be secure. Please remove it so that I can be more secure. And Jesus doesn't answer him. And then finally responds and he says, my best place is when I am at my weakest. And from now on, I'm not even going to contend to be strong, to be in a place of control and to be secure. And I find my best place is when I do not know because then I'm fully dependent on the Lord. There's a, thank you. There's a, um, there's a portion, and I, I think, you know, even with, with, with Jesus' journey with, with Peter, it's amazing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm considering Peter was definitely, I don't know if he was the most troubled disciple, but he was definitely the one that we hear the most. And his, his journey that Jesus had with him. In, 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 and go check it now. I'll, I'll mention them. In Matthew 16 and 17, there's four instances where Jesus teaches Peter a lesson, a nice lesson, a life's lesson. It starts with Matthew 14. From Matthew 14 is there one. Matthew 15, there's two. Matthew 17, there's two. There's five lessons. And that Jesus teaches Peter. And he takes him along to bring him into that place. Where almost, and I think the first beatitude is this. It starts off the Christianity. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you if you understand that you cannot. <laughs> Blessed are you when you understand that you do not know. Blessed are you when you know that you are of need. 
And so the first one is when um, in Matthew 14 is Jesus is in the boat. Uh, Peter, the disciples in the boat. You guys know the story. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a familiar Jesus walking on water and disciples is in the, in the boat. Jesus walks in the water and they thought initially it's a ghost. And then uh, Jesus says, no, it's not a ghost. It's me. And Peter is like taking opportunity of this thing. I mean, if Jesus is walking on water, maybe, just maybe. He says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come. Well, that's pretty bold, right? And Jesus just gives him one word, and Jesus says, come. This is like sometimes I find like with the Christian walk, you know, there's this initial unthinkable following the Lord, being crazy enough to jump out of that boat. But it's that second step. Oh, my word, what did I just do? Oh, the boat is too far, and I'm like, no way back, and it's in that place where suddenly you start looking at the waves and the winds. And it's at that place where Jesus comes, and he says to him, Peter, can you come to a place where the unseen is more true to you than the seen? Peter, can you come to a place that you can depend on me, no matter what the winds, no matter what the waves are saying? I know, you know, some of us have, have gone into some sort of faith journeys. I see it all the time. It's that initial step, you know. It's almost ignorance. It's two, three steps down the line. Oh, no. And it's at that spot that Jesus needed to teach Peter. Peter, you need to remain to be dependent on me. It's getting better. Peter is learning quickly. Matthew 16. And you guys... You must have heard me a thousand times speak about this portion. It is my favorite portion. But Jesus asked the disciples, you know, and you know who's the most keenest guy in the classroom. Peter is the guy that sits right in front. He's like, I know, I know, he's that guy, you know. And so Peter and Jesus asked the question. He says, guys, I've heard a lot of reports. So you tell me there's a lot of reports of who people say I am. Who do you guys say I am? Who do you think is going to answer first? Jump out of his life. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're the son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Peter. You see, Peter missed it there for a moment. Peter went like, he didn't hear. He thought he was blessed because he got the right answer. I figured it out, guys. You didn't. One of the, one of the problems with Christianity, guys, is when God does something through you, you are stupid enough to think it was you. Andrew has a saying of a, of a, of a guy that, that he, he, he looked up to. It says, success will challenge you more than what failures will challenge you. It will test you more than failures will test you. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Not because you figured it out, Simon, but because my God, my Father, has revealed this to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I got it, right? And so since he's such a brilliant mind and can figure things out above the other classes, above the rest of his class, Jesus makes a second statement just after that and says, Guys, I've got bad news for you. Well, depends how you look at it. But not long from now, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. Peter stands up and rebukes Jesus. 
He says, don't, don't, that's like negative confession. I mean, it's like, where's your faith, Jesus? Come on. And Jesus says to him this thing, Peter, well, get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's quite a pull. From get behind me, uh, from blessed are you, to get behind me, Satan. And this is the rebuke this time. Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you think like a man. You are mindful of the things of man. You process like a man. You no longer are dependent on God to show you what is the situation. Could you recognize me in the cross? No, but because you're so mindful of the things of man, you couldn't. That's quite a knock if Jesus calls you, get behind me, Satan. But Peter is a confident guy. You know those guys. They take longer to break. They just don't get it. So then, just the next chapter, Jesus takes Peter. I think he must have been offended that he, he took two other guys with him. John and James. And he says to him, listen, let's go for a walk up the mountain. They go up in the, walk, uh, they go up in the mountain. And suddenly Jesus starts shining like really white. And then two other guys standing there with Jesus, Elijah and Moses. I mean, that's pretty glorious, right? Suddenly you walking with Jesus, pretty cool. He starts getting all white. And then Moses and Elijah appears as well. This is a holy moment. And it needs some initiative to capture this moment that we will never lose it again. And Peter goes to Jesus. Jesus, I know you are worried that we will lose this moment. I will say, let's build a hut, three huts, for both you, Moses, and Elijah, so that we can capture this moment, this experience. And this time, this is not Jesus that rebukes him. A voice from above, Father God. <laughs> oh, that's hectic. Uh, he's probably the only person, I think he's the only person ever in the history of the Bible of ever that God from his throne rebuked him with a loud and audible voice. Peter made it. And so Jesus, God the Father says to him, this is my beloved son. You will not build a formula. You will not build a theory. You will not build a strategy around him so that you will never need him again. There is no such thing as a hut. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Boom. All three of them on the ground down. And the Bible says, as they looked up, they saw nothing but Jesus. Knowing that in this, in this walk, we'll never come to a place that we can just build a formula that is just the magic one that we can rely on. He'll always remain at a place that I don't know. Help me, Jesus. But then the last story. Look, even Peter had a bit of a confident blow by this time. There's a couple of temple tax collectors that knocks on the door. Usually, Peter would never have opened the door. I mean, he's the guy that's kind of advising Jesus. But something has changed. Peter actually goes and opens the door. 
And here the guy stands, and it's the temple tax collectors. And they says, would you guys please give your, pay your ta taxes to the temple? Usually Peter would have known the answer, or thought at least, and he would have given the guy an answer, but he is not sure. It's awesome. He's not sure. And so he goes to Jesus. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Remember, the tax collectors came to him of Caesar, and his disciples was, and, 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 and the Jews in the time was quite angry. He says, like, why should we pay taxes to Caesar? Remember what Jesus says? He says, give me a coin. At the back, there's the face of Caesar. So let's give to Caesar what is Caesar's. This time, though, it's temple tax. <laughs> Whose face is at the back of the door of, of the coin here? I don't know. Let's go ask Jesus. And so he goes to ask Jesus. And he says, Jesus. This guy's that's asking for the temple tax. Should I tell him to get lost? Or what, what do you want me to do? And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you think that the son of the king should pay taxes? And Peter thinking, no, the son of the, the, son of the king doesn't pay taxes. I got the answer. We're not going to pay taxes. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 Peter, Peter, Peter. So that we offend nobody. Go catch a fish. The first fish that you get, open up his mouth, take out the coin, and give it to them so that we offend nobody. I wouldn't have figured out that one. But it's interesting that Jesus keeps us, or that Peter has lost his confidence. Can I say something? Blessed are you if you've lost your confidence. A little while ago, I lost my confidence. I don't know what God is doing. And I, 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 I feed on vision. I need to know what's going on. And if I don't see anything, then I'll make up a vision. But I need to have a vision. <laughs> I need to have it. And then I had no clue. I do this and it doesn't work. I go this way, it doesn't work. And then I try to find a, a theory around of what is it that God is doing. I just don't know. And you know... It's one thing, you know, when, when, when we, you know, the, the, the story of the tapestry that we put in a, a little string. And even though the string in itself doesn't fit in, but in context of the tapestry, it all makes sense. You know that, that analogy. And for me, it's fine to put in the, the little string as long as I can see how it fits into the bigger picture. But just throw a lame little string there. It's like. And so in this time that is so unsure, Ron's mom sent me a word. She said, like. You know, I feel like the Lord is saying that he is making you put down strings and you don't see the bigger picture. And these strings look super lame for you. <laughs> Just be faithful to those strings. I like, I don't understand, Jesus. It's just. Can you imagine the prophets of old? Imagine now. I mean, we've looked to their prophecies now and we'd go like, wow. Imagine Zechariah. 500 years before Christ says, Behold, the king is coming on a donkey. Imagine I come here today and I just go like, I'm a recognized prophet. People have come from all over to listen to the prophet says. And I says, Listen, behold, the king is coming on a donkey. Oh. 
just like, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Behold, they will piercing through his side. Yeah, I know what the, the type of the side is, you know. It's, it's like, uh, um, uh, no, I don't know what he says. And prophets of old would sometimes just leave these strings. I'm telling you, they must have felt like idiots so many times. But they were faithful to God. And, and years later, we see this tapestry. And sometimes, I'm, I'm just I'm giving you your, my story, but I, I feel like, you know, <laughs> blessed are you <laughs> when you've lost your confidence. Blessed are you if you've lost your confidence. But I promise you, I will not leave it at this life. <laughs> this morning, as I was uh, preparing, I felt I felt that some of you are similar to Elijah, that had certain things and encounters with God, and uh, have seen certain work that had all the all the reason to to be confident, at least if not you and to God. But some sort of knock, some sort of Jezebel, or whatever you want to call her, but because it's intimidate you, and some sort of failure intimidated you. And because of that intimidation, you've drawn back. See, the point is yes, we do not have confidence, and yes, we do not know. But that's not the end. That's not where God wants to lead us. Hebrews 2, I quickly want to. To um, read you this, so I'm, I'm it's it's difficult because I want to read the end of verse verse eight and the beginning of verse nine. But it's two portions, so but I'll have to be faithful and read the whole portion. But I'm gonna go. This is the real part. Putting everything subjected under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside. His control. At present, we do not see everything subjected to him. No. Sorry, just just go back. I felt like I didn't read that with Jacob. <laughs> At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Next verse. But we see him. And I wish I can end the verse there, and I'm going to do it. Yet we do not see everything, but we see him. I want to say, if we can't come to the but, if we can simply say, I don't know, but Jesus. I don't have the answer. But Jesus, I don't know where my provision is going to come from. But Jesus, I don't have confidence in myself. I've lost all of them. But Jesus, I'm telling you, if you don't need to come to the but, you can do it on your own. And you probably... Ready for a, a woe. It's only to that place of a people that has come to that place that I don't know. 
that I don't see and I don't have confidence anymore that we can finally turn to the but. But we see Jesus. And I know some of us, if my crowd would be here today, I know for some of us we're quite secure today. <laughs> and we want to freaking make sure we keep things secure. And that I know. I'm telling you, God's going to get you. <laughs> and He's going to bring you to that place that you do not know. And He's going to bring you to that place where you lose security. Now, you can fight and go all in the flesh, or you can let go so that He can bring you to that place. But I want to say to those of us that is in the cave today, I think there's a couple of us that's in the cave today, that do not know and has withdrawn. That has no confidence and is withdrawn. And instead of just going, I don't know. And instead of going, but I turn to Jesus. You've just settled in a place of hiding. I want to call some people out that I feel in your gifting and in your call is drawn back into the cave. wasn't planned to do it but I, I think that that is something that God wants to call people out today I know you've lost confidence Peter as well everybody has Paul the whole lot but that is exactly what God wants I know you do not know the answers awesome blessed are you blessed are you if you don't know blessed are you if you have no confidence but I'm going to pray. You know, it's interesting with Elijah. When Jesus called him out, and God had to call him out there, out of the cave. Elijah, what on earth are you doing? So, I mean, you've, you've just kind of blew thousand bull prophets away. I mean, you called fire from heaven, and a freaking woman says something to you, and you hide in the cave. What's wrong with you? <laughs> But see, there was something in Elijah that's just turned to himself, and just suddenly the winds and the waves was just so overwhelming, and just whoop. Then, in the different ways that God came, it was finally the still small voice that says, "Come, Elijah." And I trust that something of that, just the turning to Jesus, <laughs> will call some of us out of that cave. I'm praying. I'm praying. Maybe I'm going to also ask for a response here. Okay. So maybe close your eyes and then it seems to be an easier thing to get the hand up if the eyes are closed. <laughs> Jesus, I, I thank you that you bring us to a place of weakness all the time. It's your game. You bring us to a place of weakness. You bring us to the place that we do not know. You bring us to the place that we do not see. Lord, when I was young, I thought I saw. When I was young, I thought I could. Now I know, Jesus. I think I'm still busy learning. I can't. But Jesus, I come to understand that you can. Jesus, I want to pray for every person today 
that feels rattled because they do not know. If that's you, if you recognize that you do not know, you have lost your confidence. You understand what I've been saying. If that is you, just put up my put up your hand, please. I want to say to you, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. But now I'm going to ask you, for those of you that's withdrawn to the cave, <laughs> for you, those of you that are settled in that cave, <laughs> and in our hearts say, but Jesus, Running away and hiding is not the solution. But Jesus. Jesus, I want to pray that as you come and strengthen every person that do not know, every person that has lost confidence in themselves, as you come and strengthen them, as you come and bring their life, as you come and be the answer, as you come and be the security, as you come and be their exceedingly great reward. I pray, Lord, for, for everyone that is withdrawn, that you will call them out, that you will call them out, that you will call them out to the calling and the destiny that you have destined them to be, not because of they that can, but because you can. <laughs> because you can, Jesus. And Father, once again, I pray that those will agree to what you have said, not that what they have seen, but what you have said. And I want to ask that you would agree, not of what you've seen, of what you've seen in yourself, but what he has said. But once again, I will come out of that cave. Father, we honor you. We praise you. And Father, we are fully devoted again to the destiny of becoming fully yours in everything. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.